KXU 96.1 FM Listening to Poe People's Revolutionary Radio I'm JV and this is Free Aslan And we got a great show today um, I got the um, Chicana activist uh, Desiree Rojas Who will be joining us in a minute And um, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about But first I want to you know, talk about some news from Aslan Press and that is uh, concerning um, the gladiator fights. Of course, you know, they're continuing to go on. So we need everybody to um, to get involved. We need to put this to an end. This is a state of emergency. Um, this is a state of emergency for Aslan because um, the majority of prisoners that are being used as gladiators by the state are Chicano prisoners. And, you know, we haven't heard nothing in the media that, you know, the corporate media doesn't care. It's it's not going to mention um, when our people are being um you know, maimed, killed, or anything else, it, they don't care. So it's important for the listeners and, you know, to help spread the word. We need to put a stop to it, get involved, um, you know, go online and, you know, find some of the families. Some of the families are organizing. Um, and I know they were in Soledad um, recently in the last uh, couple of weeks. They were there. Uh, protesting and you know so you got to go online and, and get involved and find out um, what is going on and I talk about this a lot because you know these are human beings that are um, you know their lives are endangered and you know and and you know and nobody else is going to mention about it nobody else is gonna fight for them so it's, it's important that we fight uh, when you know anybody in the community is being um, used as a gladiator but you know when our community is being um repressed in this way um it's important that we all come together and so um and on another note um i want to mention um there is a hunger strike going on in santa rita county jail which is alameda county jail santa rita um on saturday the prisoners went on hunger strike and you know there's been i believe in the last year there's been um, several deaths, you know, um, many, many deaths. I mean, there's been um, um, so many deaths and, you know, and it doesn't matter what people are dying from. The bottom line is um, the conditions within that county jail. I believe in the last year, you know, there's been, you know, 10 or more um, over 10 deaths in this county jail. So this is incredible. It's getting no coverage as well. And this is because most of the people uh, in Alameda County are black and brown people. So, you know, who, you know, news don't care. Corporate news doesn't care about um, black and brown people. So it's important that anybody in the community, um, you know, with an ounce of humanity, um, um, they look into it and they begin to get involved in this uh, struggle to support these prisoners who are just you know um they're seeing their neighbors and their friends comrades and family members dying um you know at that rate which more than one a month you know it's like every three weeks somebody's dying in this county jail so you know this is an epidemic of it was a county jail in you know in um in bel-air um you know i don't know if it was a county jail in you know um new hampshire I'm sure it would be uh, 2020 would do be doing a show. You know, I mean, they'd have everybody in there um, doing shows on it. It would be, you know, it, it would be crazy. But, you know, because it's uh, mostly um, people from the ghettos and the barrios and the, you know, they nobody cares. So this is important. We need to um, find ways to support our people when they're being um, you know, killed off in this way. And it doesn't matter how they're dying. Um, the county and the state is responsible for um, providing a safe environment. And, and when, when the environment is not safe, then that means the state is incapable. We already know they're incapable, but this is concrete examples that they are incapable of um, having um, any of us in custody um you know when when we're dying every two or three weeks it's 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 you know so we need to look into that and we need to find out more on what's occurring and how we can get involved and um 
and also um and so in the next show hopefully i'll have some more information um this is very new it just happened a couple of days ago and um we will keep you posted on that and um so that's a couple of things that are going on in in the concentration camps that i wanted to uh, mention and you know recently um somebody sent me this poem you know they sent this poem to free aslan and i just thought it was just a beautiful poem i thought uh, it was very empowering not only to women uh to chicanas but also to the entire nation and so i wanted to share it um and um so you know and and the person who sent it you know has been on free aslan before um some of you may remember a few weeks back i re- i interviewed um a chicana activist by the name of d and you know d wrote a poem and sent it to free aslan and you know it, it is a very empowering poem so i wanted to um you know play it for the listeners and it's going to be in three different parts so i'm just going to um begin to play it uh one right after the other and um so soak it in and i think this sets the tone for this interview that i'm going to be having um because this is a powerful chicana who's been serving the people for many decades and i i think it's um it's it's very uh fitting uh, for this interview so let me start off with this poem and here's the first part it's going to be three different parts again this is from d and um we thank you afri aslan d for sending this this poem and we welcome all of the listeners if you write poetry to send in your poems we want revolutionary poems we want cultura we want anything that empowers um the people and so here goes the first part to the poem soy chicana by Diana D. Cruz. Todos me conocen como D, pero me llamo Diana. Soy orgullosa de mis raíces. Soy mexicana. Soy chicana. Mexican blood flows through my veins. I'm proud of who I am. But yet my people are getting hurt. I gotta rise up, be the shepherd, not the lamb. Mi gente me necesita, and I'm ready for the challenge. Vamos, let's go to war. I try to be decent, but they've made me a savage. We cannot continue to conform to their deceitful minds. Abran los ojos, mi gente. Don't let them shut your eyes with their darkened blinds. Don't let them use you as a puppet. Eres humano, tienes corazón, but they, they are corrupted. They take your tongue, but here is mine. I'll speak for you. Te doy mi voz. I'll let you shine. They put their foot on your neck to silence their extortion and exploitation. They try to maim you and then charge you with crimes as retaliation. Te arrancan de tu familia, te alejan de los que más te aman. Tus sueños y esperanzas te las tratan de derramar. But here I am to say, don't be discouraged. Have faith in me, have faith in us, las familias, that fight for you with unrelentless courage. We fight for what is right. We fight for justicia. We will not stop. La lucha seguirá hasta que nos den la buena noticia. The day your life will no longer replace in danger is the day I'll stop. When that day comes, you best believe my mic will drop. But until that day, I'll be a warrior for you and for all. I'll be your human shield, your light in the darkness, your voice in the silence, your strength in your weakness, your smile in your sadness. I'll never fall to my knees. I'll fight on my feet, proud and tall. Me llamo Diana y soy Chicana. I'll fight for you, más allá del mañana. Mm. And that was a very nice poem, very empowering, as I said. And um, those are very inspiring words, I know. And, you know, and when she sent this poem, you know, she sent it um, on behalf of all the prisoners who are struggling uh, within the concentration camp. So I know that, um, you know, she sent it to her loved one in prison and that I know prisoners um, to hear those words and to hear um how somebody outside of prison is that don't even know him is thinking of him i think it's it's you know it's very empowering because in prison um you know the state works very hard to um uh, create a 
an environment of hopelessness and helplessness in order to get prisoners to um, to become um, to subdue them and to become passive and to um, basically to give up to surrender and to surrender the struggle and so to hear that there's people outside of prison who are there struggling side by side supporting them fighting for them um, and there for them all the way um, it, it, it's it's a very um, big morale booster for the prisoners who are in struggle for justice and there are many you know we hear bad things we hear the bad stuff about prisoners but the truth of the matter is um, there are many prisoners who are doing very good things and who have transformed um, who there are revolutionary prisoners and there are prisoners who are contributing um, to national liberation of their people and also to the greater movement outside prison walls and beyond um, beyond these false U.S. borders. So that's just a, a little bit of cultura I wanted to share with the listeners. And once again, any listeners who uh, may write poems, uh, send in your poems. You could send. Uh, you can send it to um, to my email, Jose H Villarreal, spelled with two R's, one at gmail.com or you can um, go to the Facebook group um, Aslam Press and you can send it, submit it to Aslam Press and uh, your poem will be read on the air or if you send it through voice um, and you read it yourself that's even better because the listeners can hear um, you know your your um, your emotion um, from your own words and you know and in your own thoughts so uh, thank you once again D for submitting that uh, that that empowering poem and so now I want to get to this interview um, and as I said, I have uh, uh, Desiree Rojas. Desiree, welcome to Free Aslan. Hola, Joy. Um, first, uh, first, I just want to say thank you very much to you and to Radio Aslan uh, for having me on. It's a great honor. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for coming. And let me just say, um, you know, Desiree... Um, has uh, you know a long history of struggle she's been struggling for many years and and just for a proper introduction uh desiree rojas um she's the daughter of al and elena rojas co-founders of the ufw the united farm workers and um and so you know she um her family her parents were uh in the struggle for justice for raza and and um and so um, that's that's who um, Desiree is. This is where she comes from. And so Desiree, let me start off with the first question. I'd like to know. We're going to get into a lot of things. I have a lot of questions, and I know um, I look forward to the um, you know everything that you're going to bring to Free Aslan today and to the listeners. And um, and so let me just start first, though. Um, you know, I wanted to know um, how did you first uh begin um getting into involved in the chicano movement um well i i really have to go back um to when i was a kid um my involvement in the movimiento really came from my my parents um and we were part of the the um the movimiento the, the with the farm worker movement in california my parents were farm workers. My grandparents were farm workers. Um, my mother uh, side of the family comes from ties of the Ragamuri and the uh, Pueblo Boacas people of, of New Mexico. Uh, my dad is second generation to Mexico, and but they were all farm workers. And in California, as farm worker children, they understood the the suffering of what it meant to, to be out working uh, 8, 12 hours a day uh, in the field. And um, so, you know, uh, my dad at the time, uh, um, in the um, late 50s, early 60s, was uh, 
uh, him and Juan Soria and a couple other people were organizing farm workers on the west coast out of Oxnard. And Cesar and Lourdes were in, in out of uh, Fresno in that part of the valley. And the Filipinos started the great boycott. And this is really the, my dad's uh, story, so I'm not going to get into it in a lot of detail, but I am going to say that um, that uh, there was a merge and became the, the uh, 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 affiliated to the AFL-CIO. Um, and from there on, out of Oxford, California, um, uh, you know, my parents have been uh, very involved with uh, the human rights and the rights of farm workers. And uh, so uh, after the union, after this merge, um, the heads of the union then decided that in order to push the great boycott further, uh, families or people had to go outside of California, and my family chose Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And this was during a very, uh, a time when, uh, you know, our, the, the, the country was in huge distress, um, uh, economically or civil rights movement was going on, um, the Chicano movement was being birthed, you know, the Texas uh, and, and Colorado, and so, you know, our involvement with the movement, it all encompassed each other. Uh, uh, many different people were doing different trabajos in, out of their own states, and so, um, you know, my my connection is to uh, the farm worker movement, but we were able to we were able to um, you know uh, work with very key people, uh, meet very key people um, that were very uh, important in a large part of the uh, of the movement, and so um, as a result, we carried the great boycott to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, during the time when, uh, during the time when um, it was very difficult to organize and to to fight back, but my parents were zealous in the movement. They believed one hundred percent in what they were doing, and so they loaded us up in a VW bug out of. Uh, out of uh, California and uh, with $50 and one phone number and all of our mm. clothes and all of our belongings and, and paper bags and uh, they drove to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania where we started the great boycott there and started organizing in, uh, a, in a city that was is, you know, most no one wanted to take Pittsburgh long and, and my family did. Um, so when we, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is, is a city that was driven uh, by the steel and coal mining industry, where the Ohio River runs through it a lot like what you would see here in Sacramento, but not as a large city. But um, my parents didn't have a clue of really what to expect other than fearful stories that, you know, the unions are very racist. You know, this is going to be one of the toughest parts of the country to tackle. But my parents did. They believed in everything that, um, everything uh, uh, about the needs of, of um, injustice for farm workers, for our people, for our raza. And, you know, their mission was to educate and to get support for this movimiento. And, um, and it was very serious. Mm. We lived off of five dollars. Uh, my parents earned five dollars a week for being full-time organizers. Wow. We lived off of donated food, clothing, transportation, and um, you know they put their whole heart and spirit into it. And uh, my earliest memories uh, are, you know, uh, selling Vega buttons and bumper stickers out of a coffee can. Mm. Um, I really didn't have the childhood. <laughs> Uh, many have that. You know, my whole life has been on the basis of being on the front line and grassroots and organizing. Mm. So, uh, 
when we came back from Pittsburgh, uh, we, you know, immediately, uh, we were in La Paz, and from there, you know, uh, we settled here in, in Northern California, where my parents took on the tomato strike in Yolo County, and um, from that movimiento, we stood in this region, in this area, but we moved around a lot. I've lived in many places in California uh, regarding uh, following strikes and boycotts, and so it's been my life. Uh. It's been my life. So, you know, uh, in answering your question, you know, there are a lot of great, a lot of great leaders in the Chicano movement. You know that I, I, I remember. Uh, uh, you know, especially when Reyes um, uh, Tijerina uh, came to uh, came to La Paz, and you know, of course, you know, great leaders like Corky Gonzalez, and you know, we have a sister straight out of Berkeley, uh, uh, Carmen Alegría, I believe it is. You know, Jose Calderón de Colorado. There's a lot of people involved in in the uh, Chicano movement. A lot of our friends, Alex Garza, Juan Soria, I mean, a lot of people had a place and they did their part uh, with the movimiento. But my parents primarily, uh, we focused on the uh, farm workers' justice, the farm worker justice uh, for uh, our people and for all farm workers, you know. Farm workers, you know, there, there were black farm workers, you know, African uh, farm workers, Filipinos, uh, Arab, Yemen Arab farm workers, poor white farm workers, of course, Mexican and Native, you know, we are Native people, farm workers in California. So we were fighting for the rights and justice for, for human rights for farm workers when, uh, you know, during a time when there's no water in the fields, no toilets, you know, the campos were, 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 were horrible. Um, you know, so, you know, we, we have come a long way, but in many ways, you know, a lot hasn't changed. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and I, I just think, um, you know, that um, you were pretty much born into this struggle for justice, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's... Um, and it's it's horrible that our people have to struggle in these ways and, and um, be repressed in so many ways. But um, it, it is a very beautiful thing to see and to hear that, um, you know, people have gone through so much struggle and um, continue and have not given up. And I think that that's the most beautiful thing about this story of your story is that you continue to this day and and thank you for sharing that I was that alone was a a, a good history lesson for anybody um, um, who is struggling for justice but let me let me ask um, let me ask you today you know today I'm sure um, you know you're you're still involved you're still struggling and um, there's so many things like you said there's so many uh, things that haven't changed many things have changed and and yet um, you know we just have new struggles you know because struggles haven't gone away um, they've just changed and transformed and in, in, into new fronts but um, today you know I, I I can imagine that you have some campaigns that you're involved in and that you're very passionate about. What are some of the campaigns that you um, would like to speak about today that you're involved in? Well, you know, I, I'd like to go back to the, to the great boycott because that's a very, very important boycott, you know. Um, you know, back then we didn't have internet, we didn't have uh, cell phones, cell phone tires, uh, fiber optic, fax machines, the, and photo, you know, all this latest mm. technology. Yeah. What we had back then was a pen and a paper mm. and a telephone, you know, uh, uh, public or inside a building or a house. Mm. Um, you know, I re you know my, my whole childhood, I remember, you know, if we weren't making huelga flags, if we weren't making painting signs, if we weren't uh, watching my mother cook for 50 to 200 people, uh, you know, we were out organizing, we were always with my parents, we were, in, we were uh, on the huelgas, we were on the boycotts. Um, 
we were on the front lines. If my parents got arrested, often we got arrested with them. My mom just said, mm. you know, uh-uh, I, my, my kids are going where I go. Uh, and so mm. she was really, uh, I mean, she really believed in that because we did get arrested with her quite often. Mm. Um, but uh, what I'm, my point is is that um, we've come a long way, but at the same time, capitalism has reinvented itself to a point where now we're living in a tri-national, um, uh, tri-national corporate uh, economy, global economy. Mm. And the effects of that are the, of course, the foreign policies and also, uh, you know, uh, uh, policies and agreements like NAFTA. We, today they call it NAFTA 2.0 or OMSCA. But what it is is the same pinching marranada, mm. papeles, de, de <laughs> mentiras, to hold our people down and our indigenous people. Mm. First of all, I want to get something very clear. We are native indigenous people of the Americas, okay? Yo soy Chicana, puro Chicana, I am a native mm. woman. Uh, the border fell on, on us. Oh, you know, that's you, what I'm talking You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The border fell on us. Absolutely. Right now, today, you have over 1,200 indigenous languages spoken in just Mexico alone. Mm. And those root languages, those tribes eventually made up north and followed seasons and came back and forth for, for, for ceremony, for ceremonia, mm. or for harvesting or whatever. Yes. But here we are today in this global society, in this, you know, capitalism on steroids, mm. okay? And we were talking about UNSCA. So, you know, let me back up just one bit here. I'm the president of Labor Council for Latin American Advancement, Sacramento Chapter, AFL-CIO. We're a coalition of unions. And uh, the term Latino encompasses a lot, but I don't really like it. I can't change it. It is what it is. But we use it, okay? And our message in the last 20 years out of Sacramento has been that we set the climate and we set the condition for the discussion. And we use whatever platform we can create, that we create in our community to be able to give a message about the reality of, of, of labor conditions, our Rasa, indigenous people, how they're being affected, what does forced migration mean? And when NAFTA was first uh, developed, we fought it right away. Our largest march that we've ever had in Sacramento, there were 52,000 people, and that was the first first largest uh, 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 immigration, uh, 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 anti-immigration, anti-government policy against indigenous people, Marcha, that we ever had, the largest ever. Mm. It wasn't recorded in, 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 in the media, but we recorded it, and it was, be, it was a beautiful sight to see, uh, you know, all of our Rasa coming together as one thing, you know, we're going to fight back for justice, we're going to fight mm -hmm. back for democracy, and we're going to fight back because, you know what, um, this is our land, man. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. we come from this, we come from uh, this continent, yes. you know. Yes. We walked, like we have been for thousands of years, yes. we didn't show up on a boat. Mm. Um, you know, and so getting back to after 2.0, what this agreement did is this agreement is really responsible for the forced migration and a lot of uh, a lot of the the uh, the economic uh, uh, struggles that are going on in in, Me in Mexico since this agreement. So basically, in a nutshell, what happened is that um, the the U through NAFTA, the U.S. Uh, um, basically pulled the trade tariffs, which means it's the taxes that 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 uh, U.S. companies would have to pay in order to export, you know, uh, uh, com commodities. In this case, we're talking about grain and corn. Mm. Monsanto came in and started forcing the GM corn into Mexico this way, and so they started controlling the market, and what they did is that as a result, rural Mexico, indigenous uh, farmers and families who relied on 
hundreds of years of an, of an economy of the same corn our people been growing for for a thousand years. You know, mm, it, yes. they could no longer afford to grow this corn and to sell it right. because the U.S. was dumping in their GMO corn that mm. flooded the market. Yeah. So, you know, at the same time, the Mexican government at the time, who was the pre, the Partido Institucional, um, uh, uh, also did something that was just horrible and humane. Yeah. Is that, you know, they, they reduced the government subsidies uh, to these farmers from 33.2% to 13.2% uh, uh, of their entire income that broke their, their economic infrastructure. And as a result, you have a forced migration of, of people, indigenous people leaving their pueblos that had their own eco-economy that was driving their economy where they were living and sustaining themselves. Mm. Now they're forced to migrate out of various states like uh, Veracruz, Oaxaca, Michoacan, and they ended up in sunken things. And then Sunken Thing is, is, is like a, an Eve's garden uh, for corporations and for large farmers to plant a lot of fruits and vegetables. And in this case, we're talking about Driscoll Corporation. Mm. So right now, over 70,000 workers. Now, just imagine this. You have over 70,000 indigenous workers just for Driscoll picking those berries under the some of the worst, probably the mm. worst farm worker uh, uh, inhumane violations we've, we've seen. I mean, really bad. We have, we have indigenous families, people, that don't even speak Spanish, who are picking these berries up to 10 hours a day, 12 hours. They have no sewer, no electricity. No tienen agua. No tienen casas. They have houses made out of makeshift sticks. So the question is, is, has it gotten any better? It hasn't gotten any better. Capitalism has reinvented itself, and now with this global climate change, markets are changing, and it's causing people to force migrate into the states or into the U.S. to find work. Mm. Okay? But the horrible inhumane is that we happening, especially right now, también, is that we have a, a lunatic for a president, a racist for a president, you know, uh, and uh, who is attacking our people by various directions, right? But the bottom line is that our foreign policy keeps creating the refugee crisis, it keeps creating forced migration, and this shit has to stop. It has to stop. It's it, it's crazy. You know, you were talking about earlier about you know uh, right now out of uh, right now out of Alameda in San Anita, I think yeah. you said a jail, the county jail there. They're mm -hmm. they're 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 having a uh, um, hunger strike. A hunger strike. Yeah. Well, man, let me tell you something right now. The same reason why they're on a hunger strike is the same reason why our brothers and sisters in Chile mm. are burning that fucking place down. <laughs> it's because of the privatization. Yeah. <laughs> privatization. All those, all, those, all those federal contracts. All yeah. those federal contracts. They privatized everything. Yep. And they're putting a stop to it. They're saying in order for us to have a future, we need to, we need to own our own water. Mm. Our own energy, our own health care, our own everything. Well, you know what? You start. You get about five hundred people out of this community to show up at that county, uh, at that county uh, meeting, committee meeting, and you start demanding that you want to see those federal contracts, and that it's a breach of contract for them to to uh, to not have a certain level of care. Then you've got. You've got them on the defense now. You see where I'm going, yeah, brother? Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is that all this has to do with capitalism reinventing itself and privatizing everything that belongs to the people. Mm. So in California alone, in California alone, we're the fifth largest economy in the world, okay? And, and, and we, and we're on fire. Mm. 
PGME has, you know, is basically stolen money from taxpayers in this, in this, in, in the, in the state. We're the fifth largest economy in the world, and we allowed that to happen. Mm. Mr. Do you yeah. think we can do it better? Hell yeah, we can do it better. Mm. Absolutely. We know how to do it better. Yeah. And our people been doing it better for thousands of years before the, you know, uh, capitalism entered these, um, this, this continent, you know, and, and, but yeah, it's just, um, and, and it's horrible, but it's a beautiful thing to see the people in Chile, uh, rising up, uh, and it is an indigenous struggle that, that, that we're seeing developing over there. And, and like you said, is, um, when you get 500 people and they go into that room, then you know you're gonna you're gonna get things done. So and that's the thing is mobilization and, and mobilizing people and and we need to do more of that here. But um, and and you know and you were talking about over there in Sunken Theme and the horrible um, uh, conditions and the the field workers there are even under more horrific conditions than even here and and here they work with pesticides and all this stuff but there is even worse and so what is this um you know some of the listeners may not have heard about driscoll's so how does this tie how does driscoll's tie into uh the struggle for um you know for the workers in mexico how does that connect well basically the workers in mexico uh Formed their own nonprofit, and they uh, they're they're now a part of a, a, a farm workers union, and uh, and they're organizing uh, right now, and they've asked everyone in the world to uh, to be supportive of their consumer boycott. They called for a consumer boycott, and Macro Sacramento chapter is very supportive of the Driscoll boycott. And, you know, the Driscoll boycott is, is such a large uh, discussion piece. I mean, here, everything that we're fighting for right here in, in our state, in this country, is we're fighting for all of that and more out of that, out of thinking being alone. Mm. We're fighting for, you know, decent wages. We're fighting for schools. They're fighting for health care. They're fighting for higher pages, wages. They're fighting for housing, yeah. electricity, water. You know, all the things that, that we're fighting for, but, but, but their scale is, 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 is more, um, uh, is, is not so spread out. It's, it's right there in their community, mm. right? Yeah. So, um, the importance of winning this boycott means that we as the people and as consumers, we could make a conscious choice to support people, the poorest of the poor, uh, or to uh, support, you know, a large conglomerate that is taking advantage of people. And I can tell you, we're getting a very great uh, response from consumers saying, mm. you know, if, if this is wrong, you know, we cannot be treating people like this, mm. you know, and, um, and, uh, look, you've got one little box, cajita of, of Driscoll berries is equivalent to a day's earning of work of a farm worker. Wow. A day in the life of a farm worker, thank you, thing, is no joke, man. It is serious. Incredible. You know, you've got to work side by side with your kids. You can't break no water, no sunshade. You're out there. You come in with Mesa, and then you 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 wage will feed you, and your kids need it. But the next day, you, you know, it, it's like a vicious cycle. Uh, Indentured servitude is what it is. What it is. Mm. And you know, um, it's not right. It's yeah. not right. And, you know, they inject pesticides into the ground, and so a lot of the workers complain that they've been getting sick. You know, what is that about? You know, and so, you know, what it's about is that we need to be conscious of what we're buying and, you know, and, and, and who we're actually lining po pockets with money, right? Yeah. So um, we've been on the Driscoll boycott. 
uh, another Wenda, and um, and I have to say that uh, we've had a, an incredible response. I mean, we've had people from all over the world. They have people from all over the world responding to their to their needs and to a lot of the information they've put out. But um, the important thing about USCA and NAFTA 2.0 is that um, is that it is not passed through Congress right now. The president of the AFL-CIO, Richard Trumka, is, is coming down really hard um, in support of, of workers, and the workers of Mexico también, you know, uh, and, and the workers here. Um, and so, you know, labor is very key and very important, uh, especially, you know, in our communities, in our pueblos, and to our raza, you know, um, the Chicano movement had everything to do with the, you know, the discrimination against our people on, you know, regarding jobs and housing and, and equal opportunity and, 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 and social services. That's what it was all about. We came, you know, we came out and we fought back because, you know, uh, black and brown were not getting the justice and, and the equal and fair treatment that, you know, white people were getting. Mm. That's just the bottom line. And so, you know, if we could be, if we could get this done in a time where there was no internet, no fax machines, no whatever, uh, you know, all this high technology, then we could get it done now with the technology. So I believe that that we'll win this boycott. Um, And, you know, I believe that we will. because we, we've done a lot of work there. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's wonderful. And and you're right, you know, people have been struggling for the same things. They transform a little bit, but it's the same um, forms of oppression that our people have been um, faced with. Um, and I, I think we could even go back before the Chicano movement. I mean, just when the settlers first arrived, you know, um, um, in first contact with colonization, I think that um, in one form or another, um, our people um, have been struggling against similar um, circumstances um, since colonization began. And, and, you know, and, and, and it's going to go, uh, it's going to go on until, uh, until we are liberated, until there is no more colonization and, and until that uh, we can um, have self-determination for our people. But let me, let me, um, we're running out of time here. We got about 10 more minutes, but I wanted to, um, to ask you about the International Women's March that, you know, that you're involved in and that you've um, contributed to as well. What can you tell us about that? Oh, thank you. Um, MMIWP is very close to my heart. As a Native woman, you know, I was shocked and I was just in tears when I learned about, you know, some of the numbers, you know, that's showing the high percentage of Native uh, women cases were not being handled. And look, I want to be just really upfront here, man. You know, what? we don't even know what the numbers are, really are. We're just learning about how high they are right now. But on the focus, we don't know. This, 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 this has been going on too long. And so right now, okay, so I sit on a, a, a statewide um, uh, organization, a, 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 a lead board called MMI. WMP California with some pretty dynamic people. Uh, D.D. Ibarra, Marshall Eppard, North Sands out of California. But we're one of thousands of groups, I hope, or one of hundreds of groups, I hope, that are doing work and educating uh, on this issue. Um, So, getting back to the the Women's March, basically, in a nutshell, when we came to Sacramento, uh, we wanted to collaborate with the Sacramento Women's March, and when we met with them, uh, finally, it took like you know a lot of work to do that. When we finally met with them, we had some disagreements, and uh, the big disagreement was that um, you know uh, in learning more about what this march was, who was funding it, fueling it, really came from back east, and there was some controversy around. Uh, 
how close they, uh, by design, how close they created this march and on, on the date they created it to civil rights date. Again, you know, feeling off of black people's movement, brown people's struggle and movements. And so I didn't like that. But I was willing to meet with them, and we did. And when they told me that the march was not political and that we could not talk about the Driscoll boycott or farm workers or Black Lives Matter or police brutality or, you know, any of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the labor issues that we were working on in our community, I, I almost fainted and fell off my chair. I mean, de veras. I mean, I was in shock. Mm. I, I never heard such a... a a thing that these issues could not be discussed at a women's march. I mean, that's just crazy, man. So I just said, Savage Skin, you know, this shit ain't for us. You know, I, you know we don't need your march. Yeah. You know, we'll create our own march. We'll, we'll get down with the International Women's Day, you know, with women all around the world. You saw So we said, you know what? We don't need your damn march. Mm. Especially that you guys power grab Sacramento. You see, it's a corporate march. Now, look, let me back up here. San Francisco does it right. And they, they really involve women of, of all uh, 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 cultural backgrounds in San Francisco. I think San Francisco's women's march is really good, and they give back to the community. But the two women that grab Sacramento's women's march, they don't even live in Sacramento. They do no community work in Sacramento. They come out of San Jose and I think somewhere in San Francisco or something. Uh, I'm not too sure. Mm. But they don't live in Sacramento. And I had a problem with that because I know the women uh, luchadoras, organizers, activists, who are dynamic in Sacramento. And there's a lot of amazing women, mujeres and trans uh, mujeres here that are doing amazing work. Um, they didn't know them. And they don't do work here in our community. So... I had a problem with that, and we had some differences, and because they're not political, and we are, we just said we'll, we'll create our own International Women's March. So that's what LACA did. We created our own International Women's March to be able to talk about the issues that are affecting families, women of all walks of life, the families of all walks of life, to talk about the farm workers, to talk about, you know, police brutality, Black Lives Matter, Brown Lives Matter, you know, to talk about indigenous women's issues and to talk about, you know, the, 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 the labor, women trabajadoras, you know, jornaleras, mm -hmm. uh, you know, picking, you know, the fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for a daily life of a farm worker, uh, you know, out of San Quintin, you know, in California? Um, you know, those things matter to us. And so, um, so we created our own platform, and the march has been growing little by little. It's uh, looking like the numbers you see uh, out of the Women's March. But here's the thing, you know, what I tell people is that numbers are important, but what's more important is the message. What's more important is what's your message to the people, and what are they going to do with that information? How are you going to touch their lives to be motivated to be, you know, activated to be able to do something in the community. Mm. And, you know, if you're going to lead people and you don't know where you're leading them to and what resources or what animal they need to pick up where that march left off, then you're not doing your trabajo. Mm. This isn't a kumbaya. This mm -hmm. isn't a sing along or a parade. This is a marcha on, on the issues that are important to women and to families and to the Rasa, you know, our people, indigenous people. We are indigenous people. We are not immigrants. Mm. You want to get technical on the dot-com side? Okay, international workers, but we're not fucking immigrants. Mm. Okay? And yes. so, um, you know, so that's what we did. And, and sometime, uh, so the last International Women's March we the, the the message that we carried was MMIWNP uh, and uh, sh shut the, and and shut down ICE prisons, stop separating uh, mm. families. Mm. Okay, mm. abolish ICE. So you know, uh, we marched in the rain. We carried the banners. You can see them all on our website. We carried the banners. Mm. We had amazing speakers. The year before that, we did. 
uh, stop separating families, stop bullying, and health care for all. Mm. Um, and health care for all is a very serious issue. You know, Absolutely. very serious, serious issue. If you want, to, if you if, if you don't know how you can help in the movimiento right now, well, there's three schools. There are things you can do in your community, but you know, uh, if you want to uh, really think about you know health care for all and 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 maybe think that's a place for you, that's a great place to organize. Because let me tell you something. Um, SB five sixty two health care for all when it was by Anthony Rendon, who's a so-called Mexican or Chicano out of, out of District 63 down south with the Democratic Party. Him and Jerry Brown froze that bill. And mm. that, that bill could have had, we could have had free health care for everybody and anybody in California, whether you were, you lived in Mexico and you were here working here or not, whether you came from Africa, France or wherever and you were here, you'd have full health care here if you needed it. Mm. And guess what? Yes, we can afford it. Oh, we can afford it. But we could really afford it if we tax the dot commerce out of San Jose and all those wealthy people. Mm. Now, when I'm talking wealthy, I'm talking about the people who their money works for them, not a worker who's considered rich who gets up to go to work. Mm. You're not wealthy, baby. Yeah. I'm talking about the wealthy in California. There's millions of these people. Oh, yeah. They should be paying their fair share of taxes. And let me tell you something. If we had health care for all in this state, it would be a domino effect in the country. Talk about socialism. Mm -hmm. And then guess what we can go after after that? That is our fucking energy. And then our water, maybe. You know? Mm -hmm. So health care for all is a serious lucha and it's a serious fight. I think we should all get really serious about it. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, you know, the Democrats froze that. You know? The Democrats. You know, yeah. and speaking of Anthony Rendon, um, who's the Speaker of the House, right now, Maria Estrada, out of District 63, uh, who lives in Watts, Valley is taking them on. Talk about a strong Chicana and a Native woman. Man, she doesn't fuck around. Mm. She's been having protests outside of ICE police officers' houses down there. Mm. She's sending mariachis out there and shit just to disrupt <laughs> their community. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, she's a strong, amazing woman, and she's organizing grassroots, and she's running for the assembly in the 63rd. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, they need a junkyard dog in the Capitol someone like her to get in there and to start being in their face in their spaces. You know, so uh, infiltrating the Democratic Party could be a great thing. Mm. You know, uh, especially if it's going to affect your, your community. Look, it's a corrupt party but at the local government level if you can, uh, uh, if you have the majority of population in this Raza, there's no reason why your grandma or your tia or your primo should be shouldn't be sitting in those local government seats. Mm. Imagine if my grandma was the mayor of, you know, of the county out here. Whew. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, but, you know, my grandma crossed over, bless her heart, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. we got to get our people to take these seats in this power so that we can start implementing and spending the money the way we see fit. Now, and until we have a better system, until we can uh, create something better, I'm saying this could be an alternative for someone to want to do. Mm. But organizing in the community, you know, with the Raza and, 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 and especially with education is very important. That, that's what I tell people. You know, education is very, very important. If I could do it all over again, I think I would become a teacher and I would try to open up a school, you know, to mm. teach, you know, our people the way that we were taught, you know, a long time ago. You know, it's in our blood to be mathematicians. You know, just look at Teotihuacan, look at our, our culture, look at our roots. You know, learning geom sacred geometry through nature is, is a given to us. We, we're just taught not to think that way anymore. Mm. So, yeah. you know, um, yes, going back to our, our roots is very important. Mm. I believe that a lot. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you brought up a 
interesting thing about you know I know um, the the brothers down in um, I believe it was uh, Louisiana or um, it was um, you know it was down there in the south where they were um, the Republic of New Africa you know they were creating something um, where uh, Lumumba uh, I believe it was Lumumba Ch Chokwe, he was actually the mayor and began to implement many programs and you know and they were looking into you know they were basically taking community control of um of the community down there and um you know and, and these are different forms of dual power when we you know because there is a power structure in place it's a, it's white power and it, and it has been here for hundreds of years and ain't going away willingly and yet there are ways that we can um create dual power within our own communities where you know we exercise forms of power um independent from the state as well but unfortunately um sister we we have run out of time and so what i'm gonna have to do yeah we didn't even get to get through everything that i wanted to talk to you about but what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to bring you back so we could continue this conversation. Uh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think that you, you know, you bringing a wealth of uh, experience here that, you know, uh, we haven't heard a lot of um, what you have to say, um, Free Aslan, and, um, and I really enjoy learning from you. I, I enjoy your, your fighting revolutionary spirit, and I, I'm very, um, you know, I'm very inspired inspired by um, what you've been through and how you are continuing to um, pave the way forward and I'm sure our listeners um, I'm sure they appreciate your presence as well not only on Free Aslan but your uh, presence within the Chicano Nation as well and beyond um, you're doing a lot of work that is going to benefit everybody, sister, and I, I just want to say, you know, um, thank you for your service uh, to the Chicano people uh, as well. And and so... Yeah, I want to say yeah. thank you again, and you know, you can find some information on our website. It's uh, L-C-L-A-A Facto, F-A-C-T-O Chapter dot O-R-G. Um, we try to update it as much as possible, but we have a lot of info on there on our upcoming marches, uh, especially on the Primero de Mayo International Women's and the Chavez March. Um, you know, uh, send me a, a message, you know, uh, mm. we can talk and I would love to be on your radio station again. Oh, absolutely. All right, sister. And, and that'll be it for now. And we'll be in touch. And thank you once again for coming to Free Aslan. Thank you again, hermano. Te mando un abrazo muy fuerte. La lucha sigue. And this is KEXU 96.1 FM, Pole People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and you are listening to Free Aslan.